Hi again, this is the second episode of uh, my podcast, Once a Dagger, Always a Dagger. I was um, trying to think what I could do for the second episode and uh, I decided that what I'd do is uh, just talk about a few random, to some extent, matches that I've uh, attended or not attended, perhaps even over the years. Uh, Now, as I think I mentioned uh, previously, uh, I'm lucky that I've got space at home to indulge myself a little bit with uh, putting some various memorabilia up on the walls. Uh, I'm lucky to do that in, I've got a sort of office or box room as my parents would call it. And I've got a few programs on the wall that uh, are games that I remember fondly or just sometimes I just like the program or sometimes just it was just a good day. It just has quite a nice feeling of nostalgia when I see them. So I thought that's quite random to some extent, which I thought might be quite good. So I'm going to talk about those uh, actual programs and uh, perhaps why they're on there or a little bit about the game. Uh, I'm just going to do it in a random order. So the first one uh, I've got up there is actually 50 years old. Uh, It's a match from September 1970. uh, And surprisingly enough, it's uh, against uh, one of the so-called big six. It's uh, Tottenham Hotspur versus Dagenham, September 1970. Now that competition uh, that it's in... Uh, was the London Challenge Cup, uh, which is not competed for anymore. It uh, finished in about 1974. It did have a revival in the early 2000s, but by then the the glitter and glamour of the of the cup had vanished, and I don't suppose there's many professional teams in it, and teams even like Dagenham wouldn't in there. I think Uxbridge won it a couple of times, and uh, Wingate and Finchley, that type of thing. So. It sort of lost its uh, it lost its uh, glamour, which is why it, it stopped uh, being competed for. But back in the in the seventies, this was a pretty uh, important competition, especially for the non-league level. I'm not actually quite sure how you uh, you gained entry to it. Uh, it wasn't automatic. Uh, I think you had to qualify by having some success in the previous season, maybe reaching the FA Cup first round or winning your league or something. But during the late 60s and 70s, Dagenham did um, compete in it a few times. Uh, and this was one such occasion. We played uh, Tottenham at home uh, early September, I think. Uh, we drew nil-nil. I was at that game and I remember it quite well. Uh, very big crowd. Um, the professional club, obviously, Tottenham, they wouldn't be playing their first team, unfortunately, because uh, that would have been quite good around about that time. A lot of very good players. Because uh, they were one of the top teams around about then. They just uh, Jimmy Greaves, I think, had just gone, and uh, Mullery, Chivers, lots of players. Uh, but so it'd be a reserve side. But looking back, there was a few, uh, quite a few players who went on to play for the first team appeared. So that was quite a big game, and I think there was probably two or three thousand over Dagenham for it uh, on a Monday night. I think uh, for those of you who remember the ground before it was developed, along where the Civ is now, that in those days that would have just been about the third of the size, just a bit covered in the middle, basically, and then the ends would be quite open. And behind that, the industrial estate, I think there was a record company. It might have been called Orlake Records, but I might have imagined that. And they had a, a big steam machine, uh, I don't know what function it performed, right at the side of the ground well, where the end of the sieve is now, at the, at the uh, Berry Road end. And we used to all joke that if we had played a cup match uh, and got a draw or it was at home Monday night, if it was a bit dark and the steam machine was going full on, that our chances of winning were better. I don't know why, we just used to laugh when the steam machine used to go. 
not sure many other people remember that. That's long gone now, the record factory. I do remember a couple of times games are going on and young um, teenagers, or I don't suppose you could call them hooligans, but had got, got in or got behind the, the what is now the sieve. And I remember one game they were chucking records, suddenly started appearing like giant frisbees coming over the top of the sieve on the pitch. And I think the boys were then chased away. Probably the one steward that we had, I think there's a little, little chap, one for the really old people there, tiny chap called Arthur Satterley. We used to call him Arthur Satellite. He used to walk round, go behind the sieve every time the ball was kicked into the middle of nowhere and he'd come back triumphantly not long later, walking round behind the goal carrying the one ball. I dare say in those days we probably only had three in the whole club, so we didn't want to lose any. Anyway, we drew that game at uh, home to uh, Tottenham. So there was a replay uh, for White Hart Lane. Uh, obviously, Dagnum playing at White Hart Lane is not something that you're going to get much chance to experience. So that was a game I was pretty determined that I was going to see. Uh, back in 1970, I was still in school uh, doing a paper round to earn a little bit of cash. So I had the cash to get there. Uh, but uh, as I remember, I actually mm-hmm. was playing for the school team that afternoon. Um, I think we were playing a team over in sort of Leighton Way. might have been called St Bonaventures or Walthamstow. I might have got that wrong, but I think it was. Anyway, I, I played in that game in the afternoon. And then I tried to find my way to Tottenham. Uh, I think I got a few buses and maybe a train at the end of it. Got out of South Tottenham. Now, anyone who will remember... Uh, or has been to White Hart Lane knows the walk from South Tottenham to uh, to the ground. It's actually quite a long walk, or it seemed it at the time. It's a few years since I've actually done it. But uh, not having that much spare cash, I decided to uh, walk down south, uh, sound up, down the high road from the South Tottenham station. Uh, I hadn't been going that long uh, when this car pulled up. Uh, side and tooted me and wound the window down and I, I walked over now as you know now and even then etc you're told never to talk to strangers and certainly never to get in a car well these three blokes in the car said hello there do you know where the Tottenham ground is so uh, I didn't really I sort of knew it was roughly in the direction I was going but I didn't really I said yeah of course I do of course I know do you want to get in the car well we'll be going there you can direct us so I did get in the car that sounds a bit dodgy but um, what those guys didn't know in the car was that um, I was a Dagenham fan and because of that I recognised all of them so I knew it was safe to get in. It was the chairman and founder member of Dagenham, Vic Sparrow uh, and uh, I think it was Stan Snell who was a committee member at the time and the other one was Bernie Leverett and Bernie and his brother Jim uh, were associated with the club for a long, long time. Superb servants for the club as was Vic Sparrow. Anyway, so we... I got in the car and off we drove. I'm going yeah, down here straight on. I really didn't know, but I knew it was a reasonably straight road. So when we got near the ground, of course, it naturally came into view. So we got there and uh, I got out the car. They were very appreciative of uh, my help in directing to the ground, which, of course, I didn't really do, if truth be told. And to say thanks, um, I probably talked and said I was a Dagenham fan by then, uh, to say thanks, they gave me a ticket to the main stand. So I got in. So on my wall, I've actually got the original programme, which looks quite good, Tottenham v Dagenham. Uh, and I've also got the tickets from the actual game. So that's quite a nice, nice memory. The actual game itself wasn't quite so good. Um, Tottenham won that game 3-0. They had quite a, they had quite a strong side out. Uh, I think there's a chap called Roy Walcott, who I think they may have signed from somewhere like Eton Manor. And he scored a lot of goals for their reserve side, but never quite made the... Uh, 
never quite made the first team at Tottenham, but that was a very nice memory. And round about that time, the London Challenge Cup uh, had a lot of memories. We got to the final, we played Orient in about 70, 71. Um, and we had other good cup runs. I remember going to Palace, I remember going to Charlton, and we won both those games. Uh, we had home games, we had, uh, I think we played Wimbledon quite a few times, quite big ties. But that particular one, we lost 3-0. Uh, now, just um, for anyone who's interested, just who was in the team that day, um, we had Terry Dickinson in goal. He was uh, covering for Ian Hutley. Uh, obviously, Ian played well, probably about 900 games for the club, but Terry was a really good goalkeeper in his own right. Didn't get much chance just because of the form of Ian Hutley, but he was in goal. Right back was Dougie Robertson. Left back, of course, George Dudley. Centre-halves, Dennis Moore, another legend, of course. Uh, and John Still, I'm sure he's probably still involved in the game somewhere. Uh, midfield, we had Phil Fryer, good player, but didn't play for us for very long. Peter Leakey, Martin Smith, Barry Davidson. And up front, we had Johnny Deer uh, and Roy Mitchell, who was a little winger. And the sub uh, that day was George Brooks. But uh, that's the first game that I feature on my on my wall. Tottenham v Daggers, mm -hmm. September 1970. For my second match, I'm going to jump forward quite a few years, in fact. Uh, this one is uh, from the FA Cup third round in January 2016, and it's the day we travelled up to Goodison Park for Everton v Dagenham. Uh, now, as you uh, remember, that's uh, five years ago. That was a very big draw at the time. I think we'd beaten Whitehawk after a replay in the previous round. It was live on television in the December to get that draw at Everton so that was something to really look forward to I should think that's possibly the biggest game we've ever drawn in the FA Cup uh, away certainly uh, probably completely I should think yeah Everton away so we're all looking forward to that uh, just on a personal sort of uh, note around about that time before that my uh, mother had had a uh, quite a nasty injury and been in hospital for a couple of months and I used to visit every day and uh, she obviously knew I was a Mad Keen Dagenham fan uh, and was determined that I would go to that game and for about the, all the time since the time we beat Whitehawk to the day before the game I was saying no no I can't go I can't go I've got to visit you in hospital but she was determined that I go so in the end she managed to talk me into it so uh, she won't hear that now but thanks for that mum that was much appreciated I remember we left about eight o'clock in the morning uh, got trains up to London and then got the fast train up to Liverpool, a place I've never been to before actually. I must admit, I did, it was a city I did enjoy visiting. Uh, there's lots of things about it to like. We got there about midday and we booked into a gourmet, uh, a gourmet bar for a nice spot of lunch before the game. Uh, so we went there, ordered it, had a couple of beers. Uh, the, uh, the locals that were in there, wasn't packed, they were, it was a little bit away from the, from the ground. Uh, they weren't um, they weren't packed, but they were they were very keen. Obviously, as soon as you hear that you're not got a Scouse accent, they want to know about you, and they knew where we come in. Most of them knew about the game, so they were very friendly. made the, Made the whole thing uh, a really good experience, and we left there, got uh, on their little whatever their little local uh, tube system is called, and uh, got to the ground. Uh, one of the things I remember about that when we got there was probably I don't know sometime two two fifteen. It was already quite crowded. Uh, lots and lots of uh, obviously Liverpool fans there um, and we were just walking around we thought we'd get a picture taken at uh, the front of the ground just for, for posteriority as it was and we got outside the ground and there was five of us there was a couple of mates one of his sons and my niece 
and we wanted our picture taken. Of course, if one of us took it, there'd be four of us in it, not five. And an uh, Everton bloke uh, in, came up in all the gear, Scouser, and uh, said, hello, guys, I can't do the accents, I won't try. Uh, I'll take that picture for you. And none of us wanted to give our, <laughs> our mobile phone to him because we naturally thought being a Scouser, he'd run off. It's, we didn't really think that, but you know, you hear those stereotypes. And we, we all hesitated for just a split second. I'm sure we're all thinking the same thing. Uh, it was quite it was quite amusing we were laughing about it afterwards because he was such a really nice bloke who was stupid and one of us gave the the, the the camera over he took a lovely picture uh, we had a nice chat with him a nice day he said and, and off he went but I remember that it makes me laugh when I think about it it was so, so sort of stupid on her behalf um, but there you go so off we go we go in the ground and we're tucked in at the side um, there was about 1800 Daggers fans there that day which I think was a pretty good turnout because we weren't having the the best of seasons, it's fair to say, and I think we'd sacked um, or relieved uh, Wayne Bar Wayne Burnett of duties not long before that game, and of course John Still had uh, had come back. Um, now John, if nothing, if not pragmatic, and I do remember in terms of the actual game itself that uh, we didn't cross the halfway line too much. We didn't have a lot of shots, if I'm honest. We didn't have too many attacks. But I dare say if we had tried all of those things, then we could probably have got hammered out of sight because though it wasn't the full Everton team, it was uh, it was still quite a good team, internationals and some quite big spending, big buys there. Um, so we played in a very sort of solid defensive way. We had a couple of players making their, I think, making their debut. Joe Worrell played at centre-half. I think we got him on loan from Notts Forest and he'd been quite impressive, to put it mildly. And he's forging an excellent career for himself these days. I was reading just a couple of days ago that he's rumoured for a big money move um, this season, for this close season, which doesn't particularly surprise me at all. He, not that you can judge just on that one game, but he did look quite a good player. Uh, so we did play quite a pragmatic style, but uh, in defence of that system, we were only one down in the 85th minute. So we could have perhaps somehow got a break and got that one chance or a dead ball and got sneaked a goal somehow, but it wasn't to be, and they got a penalty in the 85th minute and two 0 pretty much pretty much wrapped it up for the game. For the game, we we lost that. But um, the Everton fans and there was about twenty five thousand there, which I thought was a pretty good turnout for a game that they must have known they were going to win and had to pay a reasonably good price uh, to see it. Uh, they gave the daggers the fans and. Uh, the team quite a good reception and that's one of the things I remember about that game just uh, how much um, I enjoyed it really even though we lost and we didn't have over attacking play but it was just a really good day out and of course anyone who was there will remember in the second half that for some reason uh, a black cat got on the pitch and was hiding behind the goal I think once everyone started sort of shouting and everyone was sort of laughing and all the rest of it it just sort of stood there in absolute fear didn't move and the game stopped for a little bit. Uh, I think there was a few chances that we should have uh, probably made uh, looking back, but we didn't. But it was um, it was very funny, and there's uh, quite a good few pictures on Google of the black cat that came on the pitch at, uh, at Dagenham. He, he played he played very well anyway. Didn't pull for wrong. Uh, the team that day, just for anyone's interested, Mark Cousins in goal. We sort of had three centre halves: Warrell that I mentioned, uh, Clevy Dicamona, and Nyron Nosworthy. Remember him? Uh, in midfield, we had Hemmings, Muldoon, Labadee, Frankie Raymond and Josh Pasley. Uh, and up front, we had Christian Joy, Doidge and uh, Ashley Chambers. Mm -hmm. So looking back, that was um, that was a team that uh, wasn't too attack-minded. Uh, on the bench, we had uh, 
Liam O'Brien, Jack Connors, Jamie Curiton, uh, Matt McClure, uh, Joey Jones, Kane Ferdinand and Joe Widdison. I suppose if we'd wanted to go a little bit more attacking, we might have brought on or we might have played with Joey Jones and Jamie Curison, but as I say, I suspect if we'd really gone for it, we'd have probably found out that um, we wouldn't have lost 2 0. It might well have been a little bit uh, more than that. But all in all, that was an excellent day. Now, for the thought third programme, I'm going to go back in time again, back to 1977 actually, and it's a programme for one of our trophy finals uh, in May 77, Daggers versus Scarborough in the FA Trophy final. Now, uh, anyone who remembers those periods, Dagnum got to Wembley three times in seven years, 70, 71 mm -hmm. and 77. And at the same time, uh, Scarborough, who'd been competing in the trophy while we were competing in the Amateur Cup, they'd also got to Wembley and they'd certainly got there. They got them four times, I believe, and they won three. I think they lost one to Matlock. But So really, the, that match, match was between two teams who were... Uh, mm -hmm. You could say were the, the specialist uh, Wembley teams in the non-league world at that time. Um, so that was in May 1977. Uh, just uh, very briefly uh, talk about the Daggers team. It was uh, Ian Hutley in goal, um, Peter Wellman fullback, Paul Curry was the other fullback. Paul obviously related to Darren Curry. Centre half uh, were Willie Curry, no relation uh, to the Currys previously mentioned. Dennis Moore. Midfield, Joe Dunwell, Frank Saul, Mel Harkins, Jimmy Holder, and up front, Neville Fox and Terry Harris. Terry Harris, of course, uh, has been at Dagenham in various guises on several occasions, so he'd be familiar to everybody. And the sub was uh, Terry Scales. Now, that, as I previously mentioned, uh, Paul and Curry related to Darren Curry. Um, then midfield, we had, um, uh, we had Frank Saul, who had also played for, among other teams, um, Spurs. And in fact, he'd played in the 1967 FA Cup final and actually scored uh, for Tottenham in, when they beat Chelsea at Wembley in the FA Cup final. And then 10 years later, he's playing in the trophy final uh, for Dagenham. I'm not sure if anybody else at that time had done an FA Cup final, trophy final. I dare say uh, it's been done quite a few times since, I should think, now that clubs have opened out even more but I think at the time that was quite unusual and one other sort of small little connection uh, between those two games uh, rather tenuous perhaps uh, the sub for Spurs the day that they beat Chelsea in that final was Cliff Jones now this game I'm referring to here against Scarborough 77 but three years later we were back at Wembley again against Mossley and our left winger that day was um, Steve Jones now Steve Jones the son of Cliff Jones uh, just a bit of a small connection there. Uh, now this game, uh, I remember it. We were it's our third appearance in seven years, and we were, well, I suppose, we were desperate to win at Wembley, having lost two. But unfortunately, we were, we were destined to lose a third one in seven years, and it'd be three years before we'd achieve a, a Wembley victory. Uh, but this game was particularly uh, galling, you could say, because we were actually one up in this game for a long, long time. Uh, Terry Harris scored a, a flying header, uh, a great goal. I've got a picture of it somewhere, and it really was a cracking goal. Uh, and we were one up till the last few minutes, and yet Dagnum being Dagnum, we contrived to lose that game 2-1. There was a rather dribbly goal, as I recall, and a penalty. So we were a little bit unlucky there. 
Uh, one of the other things that uh, I can recall, this is obviously in the days the game wasn't uh, televised, there was no VAR, anything like that, but uh, the referee was George Courtney from Middlesbrough, who obviously refereed in the Football League lots after that. He was quite a well-known referee. I always thought Middlesbrough and Scarborough was a bit close, if I was feeling like a conspiracy theory. And in the second half, we were one up, we attacked uh, and did actually score a goal. It might have been Neville Fox that scored, I'm not quite sure. But I think someone was given offside, maybe Jimmy Holder, uh, and the goal was disallowed. Of course, my, in my head, I'm convinced that was a mile off onside and we should have won, been 2 nil up and gone on to win the game. But uh, there's no actual record of whether it really was offside or not. So it probably was no conspiracy. But in my head, we were 2 nil up, but that's a different story. Uh, anyway, we managed to lose that game 2-1. Uh, that was that was pretty sad. I remember we all trooped back to the, the bus that we'd gone up to Wembley on. And we just uh, got the bus back down the North Circular. Uh, and we sat there in silence because that was the third time in seven years that we lost. But I've got that programme on the wall. It's a nice Wembley programme. I've still got the ticket from the match as well. Uh, there was one other thing about that uh, about that game. Uh, Scarborough had a, a right winger by the name of Tony Aveyard. And he was a young bloke, 21, I think. And he was a very good player, very fast, very skillful. And he actually tormented us a bit in the second half. And I'm not even, I think if I'm right in saying, I think even the goals may have originated from good work by him. Uh, our fullback was uh, Paul Curry. And towards the end, he did run him a bit ragged, uh, purely because he was such a good player. And the, they just fed the ball to him all and all and pressure mounted. And then they won. And I think this young chap was probably the most uh, uh, most responsible for that, I would think looking back and tragically two days later they played a northern premier league game against boston united uh, and he went off injured possibly after a clash of heads i'm not sure complaining of double vision uh, and very very sadly he died two days later uh, in hospital which is is just such terrible terrible uh, unfortunate it's not something that happens hardly ever in football uh, and he was only 21, and I think he had quite a bright future. That was uh, that was quite a tragedy. They they had a, a memorial at the Scarborough Ground to him um, when I visited there later, and they still uh, remember him to this day. The, the club that's now uh, been reconstituted uh, at Scarborough. Uh, so that was very very sad. His name, as I say, was Tony Aveyard, uh, and uh, he was an excellent player. That was very very sad. For my next game, uh, I'm going to jump forward a bit more to uh, the 2003, uh, 25th of January 2003, and it's Norwich City versus Dagenham and Redbridge. Uh, this was the FA Cup fourth round tie away at Norwich at Carrow Road. Now, if we look back to those years from about 1999 to about 2003, uh, the Daggers were the sort of the non-league team to follow in the FA Cup. We had lot of, lots of good matches, lots of publicity, etc. And uh, featured on telly quite a lot. And this was the year we got through to the fourth round, which was our best ever uh, best ever season in this. Uh, and we got a draw away to Norwich. That was always going to be quite, um, quite a, hard, a hard draw, to put it mildly. Uh, I'll go straight to the result. Uh, we lost 1-0. Now... I go straight to the result of that because I remember that game uh, and we played so well. We didn't like attack them to pieces, but we had a very, very good defensive, organised uh, performance. And 
under no way did we deserve to lose that game. Uh, and I can never look at that programme without thinking we were robbed and how unfair that was. Even after 18 years, it still wrinkles that game. I remember walking out after the game, walking back to the car, uh, and um, there was quite a good crowd there, that Norwich, um, 21,000. 164 uh, and quite a few Norwich fans uh, offered us commiseration now when you've won it's quite easy to do that but I think it was pretty genuine and I really wanted to tell all of them to clear off really uh, I was not in the mood for that uh, I've been in games obviously seen games where we've lost before uh, for some reason that one I think was one of the worst ever because we really didn't deserve it uh, one of the things that also still rankles about that with me was their manager was Nigel Worthington uh, now, when we lost to Charlton just a couple of years before, Alan Kirbishley gave us so much credit, genuine credit, not just old Joe Soap, that we'd uh, done quite well. Uh, and I actually thought Nigel Worthington did the exact opposite. I didn't think he gave us enough credit at all. Pretty much said, well, yeah, we the better side, we deserve to win. Well, they should be the better side, really. Uh, but we mm -hmm. contained them, and I don't think they did deserve to win anyone who remembers the goal it was um, I think the technical term for it is spawny or maybe that's just the old-fashioned one it just a bit of a dribbly miss hit shot that fell to a bloke who smashed it in it was a sub actually who he'd only been on the field uh, about um, 15 minutes Zima Abbey the name's always stuck with me he got booked as well in that game uh, just not well, that makes any difference at all but uh, that's how much I remember it and I remember because we lost and it was a fourth round, it was a good effort and the players came round and took an ovation obviously from the Bagman fans particularly but I think uh, Norwich fans probably gave them a bit of um, respect as well. Uh, Tony Roberts who played bloody well in goal, uh, he was actually, he was very upset about that result because he knew that that was not deserved at all uh, and um, he was one of the reasons why we had such good cup runs and etc because he was a brilliant goalkeeper as well as all the other stuff he did for the club uh, so that game we lost 1-0 uh, to a terrible goal in the FA Cup fourth round that was so near yet so far if we'd have got them back to Dagenham at that time with the way we were playing and with a packed Victoria Road I think we're not saying we would have beaten them but we could certainly could have given them a very good game uh, the team that day for Daggers was Tony Roberts in goal Mark Smith at the back with Lee Matthews Ashley Vickers, Steve Heffer, Mark Janney, John McGrath, who sometimes gets forgotten about round about that time because we had him on loan for a season. Um, he was a very good player, Irish chap, left-footed. Uh, I think we wanted him to stay with us after that season, but he went back to, I think he was on loan from Villa. Uh, he went back there and then I think he signed for Doncaster in the end. Uh, Paul Terry, Junior McDougall, Danny Ship, and Steve West. Uh, a couple of subs came on, Mark Rooney came on and Mark Steen. Uh, and the unused substitutes were Tim Cole, Danny Hill and Paul Gothard. So that was a game from January 2003. Uh, that is the, one of the games that sticks in my mind for all the wrong reasons. 1-0. For the next match, I'm going to go back in time again to 1971 and it's Wembley again. I'm nothing if not a glory hunter when I like to have programmes on show and it's the Amateur Cup final against Skelmersdale United, uh, 24th of April 
1971, what was I, I was 17 then. Uh, now we lost that game 4-1, uh, which was a bit sad. Uh, the previous year we'd been at Wembley, we played Enfield, and Enfield were the, like the Man United of non-league at the time. Uh, and we did well to get to Wembley. We, we, um, our side wasn't as good as them, and we actually got well beaten. But that year, uh, it was probably, you could say, to some extent, almost enough just to get there. But the following year, we played uh, Skelmersdale, uh, and possibly they weren't as, as well known in the general scheme of things. Uh, although looking back, they did have a good side. They had quite a few players uh, in that team who went on to play at a better level. Uh, and I think we were pretty confident that this could mm -hmm. be our year, but it, in fact, it wasn't to be. Uh, and we all know that after that game, when we lost uh, uh, the manager, Ted Hardy, he decided to try his luck somewhere else. And quite a few of those players uh, joined him. Not all of them, but quite a few of them. Uh, the team that day was Ian Hutley in goal, Johnny Ford at right back, George Dudley, Barry Davidson, John Steele, uh, Dennis Moore, Peter Leakey, Phil Fry, Tony Bass, Derek Baker, John Deere, uh, and the sub was Martin Smith. He came on in that game for John Deere. Uh, we lost 4-1, Tony Bass uh, scored our goal. Uh, but um, I remember that game was quite a big uh, disappointment. Uh, Scarborough had a bloke uh, called uh, Ted Dickin. He scored a hat-trick that day, uh, and that really put us to the sword. We'd had quite a good um, had quite a good run in the, in the Amateur Cup that year. Obviously, we got to the final, so it's a good run, I suppose. It makes sense. But we'd um, it was quite good. Mm -hmm. We'd beaten Leighton in the first round, 5-0. Then we'd won away at Bishop Stortford, never easy, 1-0. And then we played Leightonstone away uh, at the time. Obviously, then Leightonstone are now one of the, uh, the, the forerunners of our current club, Dagenham and Redbridge. Uh, Leightonstone were absolutely one of the top sides. Uh, and if you remember their ground at Granley Road, uh, it was a very strange effort behind one goal. You were sort of low down in a little covered bit. Then at the so one side, you couldn't get down. The other end was a bit of a wreck. And then you had a reasonably big terrace that backed onto the station, which towered above it. Uh, you can see why that ground could never be developed. But at the time, Leightonstone was one of the top teams in the country. And we went there and uh, won 1-0. Peter Leakey scored. Uh, and the crowd was um, reported as 2,400, which uh, for that uh, for that ground, that must have been absolutely rammed. Uh, and then we played uh, in the semi uh, quarter-final, we played Whitley Bay at home, a uh, crowd of 3,001, apparently. Uh, we won that one 1-0, one uh, goal from Tony Bass. Uh, and I remember in that game, we, we were hanging on a bit uh, towards the end, uh, and uh, George Dudley... For some reason, it sticks in my mind. He headed one right off the line with just a couple of minutes to go. That saved us for a very long replay. Uh, and then we um, we played uh, Slough Town at home. Uh, uh, sorry, at uh, Charlton in the semi-final. It's a neutral ground, uh, and we drew that three all. Uh, I think we scored in the ninetieth minute or maybe even injury time, and uh, that took us into a replay the following week at uh, Fulham which we won 2-1, Peter Leakey scored and Derek Baker. I remember that game for two things. Uh, one, the following day I'd um, watched the big match, uh, which was pretty much, mm -hmm. along with Match of the Day, the only football programme on television at the time. Uh, and they had a film of Dagnum actually winning that game 2-1 at, uh, uh, at uh, Fulham, black and white, of course. But that was very exciting uh, that's probably the first time I'd ever, well, definitely the first time I'd ever seen uh, Dagenham playing on television. But that was only short highlights. But I remember that was seemed very exciting at the time. The amount of te football on television now that seems rather that will seem rather strange to anyone who's 
quite young listening to this, but at the time that was massive. The other thing I remember about it, uh, and it will link to a, a different game as well, was uh, the winning goal scored by Derek Baker. And basically he got his toe on the end of a cross or something and it just trickled towards the goalkeeper. Um, and um, Ian Wollstoneholme was the goalkeeper's name. I've always remembered that. And it just trickled between his legs at about one mile an hour. It was the most ridiculously goal ever to win a semi-final and take a team to Wembley. Mm-hmm. But obviously we weren't bothered. We, we took that all day long. Uh, and the thing I also remember that sort of follows on from that is the following... Um, uh, around about October time, September, whenever it was, we played them in a league game. Uh, and um, I think we beat them 2 or 3 nil at home, I can't quite remember. Uh, but uh, Derek Baker scored again. He was put through one-on-one with the same keeper, Wollstoneholme, and he basically slipped it through his legs and nutmegged him and put it in the goal. And he stood over him. Uh, if I was to, being generous, if I was to say celebrating, I think it was possibly a bit more... Um, a bit more... Uh, X-rated than that, and there was a picture in the paper saying Derek Baker celebrates uh, scoring this goal. I think it's fair to say he he was definitely well, he was definitely celebrating. Let's put it that way. Anyway, that's just a little bit that I remember about the trip to Wembley, and it, as I say, it culminated in um, playing Scarborough, uh, playing a Skelmersdale, and getting uh, completely crushed four one. But uh, again, Wembley appearance is never a bad thing, so it was a pretty good day out. The next programme on the wall is uh, our first match uh, in League One in 2010 away to Sheffield Wednesday. Now, I've talked about that game on a previous episode, so I don't uh, propose to do that uh, anymore on this particular segment. But suffice to say that uh, I love to see that programme because it reminds me of Dagenham in League One. It was a great day out and they, that is definitely one of my favourite ever away days. So the next match uh, that's uh, featured on my wall, it's um, surprisingly enough, it's a friendly match, or to be more precise, it's a testimonial. It's from 1985, October 1985, and the game was actually Dagenham uh, versus Manchester United. Uh, that's not going to happen again in the near future, but we live in hope. Now the player that the testimonial was for was for a Dagenham mm-hmm. player who played for Dagenham uh, for 16 seasons, uh, having signed from Tilbury, made a total of 624 appearances for us, scored 156 goals. Uh, he could play midfield, he could play up front, he could play at the back, he probably played everywhere for us. He's definitely one of the most versatile and one of the best players that the uh, Daggers have ever had. He suffered a back injury, I think, mm-hmm. and probably around about the time of this testimonial, and his last. Um, his last uh, few seasons, he didn't, um, he wasn't able to play and contribute quite as much. I think it was a back injury, um, but uh, his name was Joe Dunwell, and uh, he's one of, in a lot of ways, one of the finest players that Dagenham have ever had. Six hundred twenty-four appearances, one hundred fifty-six goals. I think says it all. So he was awarded a testimonial. Uh, now the Daggers manager at the time uh, was a chap called Ken Knighton, who he played at quite a good professional level, a very good le- level. Sunderland, I think Preston, and a few Midland clubs. Uh, and so he had good contacts in the game. And one of his, um, I think, one of his ex. Um, teammates somewhere or a colleague of some description was Ron Atkinson, Big Ron, and he was currently the manager of Man United. So I think that was how we managed to get Man United 
to play for us. They didn't send, uh, they didn't quite send um, George Best and Bobby Charlton or anybody like that down there. In fact, they probably weren't even there at the time. They didn't send their first team, but they did send quite a strong team. I seem to recall Adam Brazil turned out for them, uh, which seems a bit strange, but I think he did. Uh, and um, so we played them at home. There's a crowd of just over 2,000 there. Um, and it was a good night. I've got the poster for it uh, on my wall in the office as well, actually. Uh, it's one of my more prized possessions. I rather like that. Dagnum. It says Dagnum v Manchester United by kind permission of Dagnum. Uh, arranged by Dougie Robertson. It's good. Uh, I'd say we we lost the game. Uh, I think two uh, 0 was it? I think it was two 0 uh, I remember they had Chris Turner in goal, who went on to manage um, Leighton Orient, and I think he's a general manager somewhere now. I'm not quite sure where. Uh, and I recall Joe Dunwell actually had a, a header in that game uh, at the Berry Road end because that's where we were standing. Uh, it should have gone straight in the top corner and. Uh, Chris Turner did actually make a worldy save, and I remember we all turned around and sort of said, mm, we probably should have let that one in, but so the game was reasonably competitive. But um, it was very good, not often you're going to see Man United overtaken. Uh, quickly go through the, the team, just there's a few old names there that people forget about. Uh, the goalkeepers were split between uh, John Jacobs and Darren Williams. There was Frank Coles, Clive Day, uh, Alan Risk, um, Boniface, I think, is that Pat Boniface? I'm not quite sure. Uh, Tommy Horan, uh, Paul Taylor, Terry Sullivan, uh, Cox, Giles, Steve Scott, Menderson, Powell, I think that was Paul Powell, and of course, um, Joe Dunwell. That wasn't um, wasn't our greatest ever side, it wasn't the worst side, not the greatest ever side, but that was certainly good, seeing the, um, seeing the Daggers host Man United, even though we did lose. Moving swiftly on, the next game is going a long way back in time to 1968, May the 14th, 1968. Uh, it's Enfield versus Dagenham in the final of the London Senior Cup, played at Orient. Uh, now, I didn't go to this game, um, but I was about 14 at the time, and I was just really getting into the Daggers. I'd been quite a few years before that, but I was really, uh, really desperate to find out about them and go to games etc uh, there's no way I went to that game I'm not quite sure why looking back I wish I had done uh, find the London Senior Cup uh, in those days the London Senior Cup I would suspect after the Amateur Cup was probably the hardest one that you could possibly win because you had Enfield, Leightonstone, Hendon, Wildstone, uh, Wickham, I don't know Wickham probably won't allow it but um, I've probably forgotten some other teams as well um, they were really top non-league teams. There was a lot of good non-league teams in those days. And I don't think we were at that level at that time on paper. But uh, that was not long after, around about the time that Ted Hardy had taken over and was building uh, building the club up. So that was a, a really fantastic season. It was the year we played Reading. Um, and I was having a look at the uh, I was having a look at the, the team for that game, uh, London Senior Cup. We won it 1-0, as I say. It was at Orient. Uh, it was an own goal. I'm not quite sure who was it. I have a feeling in the back of my mind, uh, it was their fullback, Gordon Sedgley. His son, Steve, later went on to play for Spurs. Um, we had Ian Hutley in goal, Doug Robertson, Brian Smith, Roy Drake, John Willingham, Dennis Moore, Fred Pudney, Steve DeVoe, Tony Bass, Dave Morris, George Brooks, and Peter Leakey was the sub. Now, the thing I remember about that game, not, not the actual games I didn't go, as I said, was that... Um, I couldn't find out the result. Uh, it wasn't in any of the papers. 
Um, obviously there was no Twitter and the internet in those days. I dare say I could have just rung the club. Uh, that probably would have been the obvious thing to do. But I remember it took me a couple of days to even find out what, what happened in that game. Uh, and uh, that was quite exciting. The other thing about that season was 67-68. We played 30 league games. We came second in the league. Uh, we also played in the FA Cup, the Amateur Cup, the London Senior, which was this one, the Essex Senior, the London Challenge Cup, the East Anglian Cup, the Essex Elizabethan Cup, the Mithras Cup, the Essex Floodlight Trophy, the London Charity Cup, the Essex Thameside Trophy, and somehow we managed also to play six other matches, which uh, I'm not quite sure quite how we, how we managed to do that, but uh, we did. Uh, and you hear about um, the, the big six, the current uh, Super League nonsense that went on. One of the reasons that they claimed they wanted to do it was to save players and play less games. And obviously they really wanted to just make a lot of money, basically. But that was one of the things they said. Uh, well, Dagnan played um, 84 games that season, <laughs> which is a ridiculous uh, number. Uh, and were quite successful in all those, nearly all those cups. They, they had good runs to finals and some had to be held over. Ian Hutley, the goalkeeper alone, played 76 games. And I think I'm right in saying that he was a postman. So he was probably getting up quite early, doing quite a lot of walking. And he still played 76 games. Uh, quite impressive at any level. Uh, so that was the Essex, uh, the London Senior Cup. Uh, Dagnan v Enfield win to the Daggers. For the next match, I'm really going back uh, in time, a long time, April the 2nd, 1956. Now, I wasn't at the game. I would only been two. Uh, I'm sure it was past my bedtime, even on a weekend. Uh, and it's the Essex Senior Cup final, April the 2nd versus Walthamstow Avenue. Now, the reason I've got this programme on the wall, it's uh, it was a game played at Ilford. It's a really old school looking programme with a nice big crest on the front and printing done on paper. It's not all shiny and glossy. It just looks like a quality programme. Uh, and it's against Walthamstow Avenue, who again are one of our forerunners. And it was a, a programme I picked up via eBay. It wasn't that hard to get, but it cost me a few quid. But it's just a nice looking programme. And it represents... Uh, back in the day, the 50s, when the Essex Senior Cup, uh, I think I said in the previous uh, uh, programme against the match against Enfield, that London Senior was uh, the second hardest uh, cup competition to win. Well, the uh, Essex Senior Cup was also quite hard to win. Leightonstone were generally, I would think, um, mighty opponents in that, and so were Walthamstow, so were Ilford, um, and probably other teams as well. Uh, so... I'm not going to talk about the game very much, except to say we lost it 3-1. Um, but it's just a, it's a nice one to look at. It makes me remember the history of the club going back all that way. Uh, I will say who the team was very quickly, because there might be somebody who was at that game. You never know. It'd be interesting if they were. Uh, goalkeeper was Skinner, Hudson. He went on to manage Raynham, Jack Cresswell. I think he passed away this mm -hmm. year. Uh, he was about 95, but he played for the club a long time, a left-back. Uh, Harry Warrior, Knight, Constable, his son, I think that was uh, Jeff, played for the club, certainly at reserve level. Uh, Harold Books, Billy Bridge, McGeehan, Myers and Lunn. We lost that 3-1 to Walthamstow, played at Ilford. Uh, and just so you get an idea of um, how big the Essex Senior Cup was in those days and non-league football generally, the crowd was 7,441. 
for my next match I'm going to go back to For my next match, I'm going to go back to 2007. It's actually our first ever game as a member of the 92, a football league club. And that was away at Stockport County. Now, that game took place uh, in August 2007 uh, when the fixtures came out for our first ever league game. Uh, I think we were probably hoping for something a bit more, uh, a bit more um, exciting than Stockport away, but Stockport away it was. I believe that uh, there's a policy that they make the first game of a newly promoted side away. I think I read that once because when Scarborough got in the Football League or something happened about the Football League, they I think they might have played Wolves at home in the first game. Obviously, Wolves were in the bottom division then, so they've had a remarkable uh, comeback. Uh, and the ground was packed and someone got on the roof of the stand and fell through it and obviously did some quite major damage themselves. So I think that made them decide that the first game of a newly parade team would always be away. So we went to Edgeley Park, Stockport, and that was a game uh, I was never going to miss. Uh, I never, ever expected to see Dagenham play in the Football League. I always wanted to and always hoped, but you couldn't really ever see that that would happen. And so when it did, that was fantastically exciting. So that was a game I was determined not to miss. It was August 2007. Uh, our lineup that day was Tony Roberts in goal, John Boardman, Danny Foster, Sam Slomer, Anwar Udin, Scott Griffiths, Dave Rainford, Sam Saunders, Glenn Southern, John Nurse, Paul Benson. Uh, that was the starting eleven. Uh, there was um, quite a lot of doubt about Paul Benson being fit for that game. Uh, he did start, but he was actually subbed at 80 minutes for Chris Moore. Ben Strevens came on for Sam Saunders and Shane Huke came on for Sam Slomer. So quite a fair proportion of that side were the ones that actually got us uh, into the Football League in the first instance uh, by winning the conference. And uh, we went up to Stockport. So I remember we drove up there, got there in good time, uh, took our place behind the goal. Um, mm -hmm. We lost it 1-0. I think the goal was, goal was quite late on relatively. Uh, I think it was about uh, 70, 70 no, no, 80, 85 minutes, I think it was. Uh, so we nearly got a draw out of that game, but we ended up going down 1-0. And I remember the players after the game were doing their warm down in front of us and we were giving them full applause because they had made a good effort. But you could see the disappointment on the face there. But I think also deep down we thought, yeah, we, we can compete at uh, this level. Uh, there was a crowd of 5,500. Uh, there was only one player booked in that game. I don't remember the... Um, I don't remember the circumstances around it. Uh, on the one hand, it might be surprising. On the other hand... Uh, knowing uh, the character, it perhaps it's not that surprising, but we managed to have one booking, and it was Tony Roberts, the goalkeeper. Uh, I noticed looking at the Stockport lineup, uh, a few players known at, the, at that level, but up front they had Anthony Elding, the only one who was around for the Boston season, where uh, he became public num enemy number one. Uh, he was always good for a, a bit of banter, it's fair to say. He could take it and give it. He played up front for. Uh, Stockport, I'd forgotten all about him, funnily enough. Uh, but say we went down 1-0 and that wasn't the best start, but uh, we we did soon rectify that, of course. Uh, the reason, uh, obviously, I've got that programme on the wall is because that's a pretty momentous game in, in the history of the club. But uh, ironically, uh, it's actually back to front on the wall because the copy that I've got uh, has 
been, I think I got it through a friend of a friend of a friend who knew a sponsor or something similar in the boardroom and it's uh, signed by all the players on that day uh, in this nice black felt tip pen so it never looks like it's ever going to wear out so that's actually quite a nice little uh, memento of the day and the actual event. Hello, 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 hello. So for my next match, I'm going to go back to 1969 and a local derby. Uh, and it's a game against Romford in the FA Cup. Third qualifying round. Uh, we were away to Romford at Brooklands, uh, which doesn't exist now. It's a housing estate. But if you wonder where the ground was in Romford, if you, I never know if it's North or South Street. I think it's North Street where the bus garage is. Uh, if you came out the front of the bus garage and then looked across the road and went behind those houses, it's pretty much in that sort of area. It was a very big ground. Uh, they never quite made it to the Football League, Romford, but they did win the Southern League, uh, which potentially they could have if they'd been elected from that. Um, and the ground was certainly big enough in those days probably to support it, and I'm not sure about the facilities. They had a massive, great main stand, uh, uh, which in its day was quite impressive. Uh, and then they had a, a covered side, the clock side, the terrace, and then it was uh, there was a speedway track there, although the yeah, speedway was still going on there, I think. I used to go over there to watch the speedway as well as the occasional Romford games. So it was a big old ground. It held uh, a lot, and the attendance actually that day was 3,788. Now, um, back in this, time, this, mm -hmm. uh, this time, Dagenham weren't uh, quite so highly rated as they were now, so we'd have to enter the FA Cup qualifying competition in the first round and nowadays we'd probably come in at the fourth round and obviously when we were a league side we went straight into round one uh, but in those days it was a, it was qualifying rounds and that was always quite exciting you'd be looking forward to those games hoping to get the the first round draw and that was quite a big thing in those days to get a, especially if you think draw a league team that was always good fun so we'd started a home game against Cray Wanderers. We beat them 3-0. Then we had another local derby in the qualifying round two. We beat Hornchurch away 2-0. And then in the third qualifying round, we, we drew Romford, which was a, a very good draw, a really local derby. Easy to get to for me, I was a schoolboy at the time. Uh, although that would be quite a hard game for us because Romford, as I say, were a Southern League type team. So they'd definitely be the favourites and, and being at home. Uh, so it was a game to look forward to. Um, the natural crowd for that game uh, was 3,788, which just sort of shows you uh, in those days just how, how, how big the non-league game was, really. Perhaps more so than it was now, but uh, Romford were quite well supported. And I seem remember we took quite a lot uh, there that day too. Now, the, the team that day is... Um, I'll leave out two players and just address them at the end. Brian Smith, George Dudley... John Steele, Dennis Moore, Peter Leakey, Roy Drake, Freddie Pudney, Dave Morris, Georgie Brooks, and the sub was Dave Robinson. Now, the two players I missed out there were the goalkeeper, because unusually, uh, when I'm talking about this time of uh, this, uh, this sort of period of the history, the goalkeeper was Ian Hutley. But in fact, for this game, it was his deputy, Mick Byrne, and he was, he was also a very good goalkeeper. And uh, I'm not sure why Hutley wasn't playing, but Mick Byrne had played in the previous um, two rounds. Uh, so perhaps uh, Ian Hutley had just been injured for a month or so. And the other player that I missed out was a midfielder by the name of Martin Smith. Now, uh, if anyone remembers uh, Martin Smith, he probably wouldn't mind me saying he wasn't necessarily the most skillful player. But what he was, he was quite a hard player, quite determined and dogged. 
and um, he wouldn't be afraid, I think, as they say, to put his foot in where it hurts. Now, one thing that I remember about this game, or a few things, well, firstly, we won it 2-1, so that was fantastic. Both goals were scored by Georgie Brooks, and the winner, if I remember uh, rightly, was a, an over, spectacular overhead kick. Uh, we hung on a bit towards the end, but we, we won 2-1, and uh, we got the local bragging rights, which was quite good. Now, the other thing I, I remember about this uh, was that uh, in the Romford ranks, they had a chap by the name of Alan Seeley, who, if any West Ham fans going back in, in the day might remember, he'd, he'd been a, a winger for West Ham. He'd actually played in the Cup Winners' Cup final against um, Munich 1860 at Wembley in 1965 and scored quite a spectacular goal. So that was 1965, and here four years later, he was, um, he was playing for, for Romford. I think I'm right in saying, and I uh, hope I haven't uh, misremembered this, that he'd not long after that uh, Munich game for West Ham, he'd, he'd fallen, he'd, I think they might have been posing for a team photo or something quite bizarre, and he fell off a bench and broke his leg. And I think that possibly stalled his career a little bit, not surprisingly, and he ended up only four years later playing for Romford. Uh, he was obviously still quite a good player, but maybe not quite as speedy as he was. Anyway, as I mentioned earlier, Martin Smith played in midfield and he wasn't afraid to um, get stuck into a tackle. And I remember that he did a tackle uh, on Alan Seeley, which um, I think even back in the day it was probably a red card. Uh, now it's probably about three red cards. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it was quite funny because he basically just destroyed him. Shouldn't laugh really, but I remember that. It was very funny. I just remember thinking, hmm. Yes, you're probably wondering why you're playing at this level now, because you're getting tackles like that. But um, that aside, uh, the whole day was great. Uh, local bragging rights, a 2-1 win, and it got us into the fourth qualifying round, just one step away from uh, getting a nice first round draw. And in the fourth qualifying round, we actually played Leightonstone away. Uh, Leightonstone, again, one of their forerunners of our club, uh, and in those days, one of the top teams. Well, we absolutely smashed them 4-0. Uh, and uh, we went into the first round and we drew Sutton United at home. And uh, we lost that one 1-0. It was a bit of a disappointing uh, game, to be fair. But uh, that Romford game back in the October was uh, very entertaining. For our next game, we're going to go forward to a Dagenham Redbridge game in 2003. Uh, it's the FA Cup third round, away to Plymouth Argyle. Uh, now... As I say, this is in 2003, and round about the 1999 to 2003, for round about those times, uh, Dagenham were a pretty good, uh, uh, very good uh, non-league team playing in the FA Cup, and we had lots of attention given to us. And I remember Plymouth uh, Argyle being uh, an excellent one, featured on the television, uh, and it was a, a great day out. Long old trip down there, I remember that, uh, but well worth it. Um, now I've got this program on the wall. Uh, with the with the ticket, and as I say, it's a nice, happy memory of uh, good times for Dagenham. But there's one thing that's always bugged me about that program, uh, which is probably evidence of my uh, OCDness or something a bit sad. But uh, though it's got uh, everything about the game on it, nowhere does it mention what the competition is. It says Plymouth v Dagenham. It says the time, blah blah blah, pictures and whatever, whatever. But it never actually says FA Cup third round. I've always found that quite annoying, really. Anyway, the lineup for the Daggers that day was uh, Tony Roberts, Mark Smith, Vickers, Lee Matthews, Steve Heffer, Mark Janney, John McGrath, Paul Terry, Junior McDougall, Danny Ship, 
and Steve West. Uh, and on the bench was Mark Rooney and Danny Hill. They both came on. Uh, and the unused subs were Paul Gothard, Steve Potts and Mark Steen. Now, I remember that game. Uh, we were behind one end and we actually went behind in the 14th minute. Uh, sorry, we actually went ahead in the 13th minute. And then they equalised almost straight away. Uh, Paul Terry scored. Now, if you remember around about this time, there was a, a lot of times featured on Match of the Day where a non-league team, particularly sometimes a low-league team as well, if they scored, would have a pre-planned goal celebration. Some of them were quite elaborate. And I remember that when the Dagger scored in this game, um, we did something with a metal detector that involved Steve West. I think he had a bit of a... He was a bit of a fan of metal detecting or something obscure like that. And I remember they all just ran to the bench and then did this uh, rather impromptu demonstration of how to do metal detecting. It was um, seemed quite funny at the time, but looking back, it sounds a little bit more naff than I remember. Um, so we were, it was one all there up till second half, and then they scored uh, 61 minutes. And then this is an FA Cup game. It was featured on television, so it's quite clear who scored for us. Come on down, Junior McDougald. He didn't score that many, even though he played quite a lot of games. But when it was a big game in the FA Cup, he somehow he managed always to, um, to, to, to knock one in. The other thing I remember about him, which just um, made me think about it, is he was actually substituted in the 90th minute. And Mark Rooney came on. Now, obviously, when you're substituting people that late in the game, you're really just uh, just trying to waste time. Uh, and Junior McDougall, as I always think, we used to laugh, he was the master of running off at fast speed, going slowly, if that makes sense. He looked like he was really going, but he was actually almost going backwards. He sort of, yeah, very strange. He was, I'm sure he could. He wasted far more time than, than it was uh, should be permitted. And, of course, if it happens against you, you're moaning and shouting at the ref, but when it goes for you... You're always quite red. glad that the rest don't really know what the hell was going on. Uh, but, um, yeah, so that was a very good game. Uh, that was on the uh, in uh, the FA Cup third round at Home Park, January 2003, uh, watched by 11,885. And, of course, 2 or draw, very good. Got them back to Dagenham, and we all know what happened there. We smashed them. For my next match, uh, I'm going to go back to one that I definitely wasn't at because it's uh, from 1950. No, sorry, 1949. In fact, even earlier. Um, the original Dagnum FC was formed in season 1949-50 um, and I managed to obtain a programme for a game from them. It's not something you see very often uh, and it came uh, it became available, I managed to find it. So it's not something I can claim to know much about or have seen, but I just thought it was a nice piece of uh, history to have. Now, in that season, Dagnan played in a league called the Metropolitan League, uh, and some of the teams that were in it, um, well, I don't think any of them, probably any of them are still about. Uh, it was, uh, there was only nine teams in it, and they were St. Neatson District, Dagnum, Callender's Athletic, Eddington United Reserves, Chingford Town Reserves, Dickinson's, brackets, Apples, Apsley, Chipperfield, Hove United uh, and Twickenham. Uh, and literally the fourth ever game that Dagnum played in this league 
was against Twickenham. Uh, it was a home game uh, over the old arena, uh, and uh, I have the programme for that, so that's uh, that's quite nice. Uh, it was actually bought via eBay, uh, I got it a few years ago, and I was working while the auction at eBay was going on, and I was unable to access the internet from work, this was before Android phones, and it wasn't really allowed that work to be on the internet where you should be slaving away. So I got a friend of mine who was a shift worker and uh, was therefore able to be on there live to monitor the auction as it was coming to a close. And if anyone else stuck a bid in, I asked him to counter bid for me to try and secure this programme, uh, which he did uh, successfully, as I now have it. And he phoned me up uh, after the auction had closed on one afternoon and said, yeah, yeah, we got it. I went, oh, good. Yeah, nice one. And he said, I said, yeah, how much did you pay for it? And he said, uh, oh, he said, yeah, I had to keep counterbidding a couple of times, but don't worry, we, we got it. It was 80 quid. So I thought, um, thanks for that, Neil. 80 quid, I think the programme is probably worth um, maybe 10, 15. But obviously there was another person out there just as keen. Maybe he was a Twickenham fan. Who knows? But nevertheless, um, I secured the programme and I'm very glad I did. It's quite a nice bit of history. Uh, I won't bother listing the team that played that day, other than to say number eight inside forward was Ernie Jones, who people might remember, as well as being a player for us, was the physio for donkey's years and um, at Wembley uh, in early in early amateur cup games. And I have a feeling, uh, I hope I'm not mistaken, he passed away earlier this year, well into his 90s. That was Ernie Jones. He had a very long and uh, good uh, attachment to the club. It was a fair old league, I've got to say. Our last few games, we we had, went on a bit of a run, actually. 11-1-5-1-6-3-3-1-8-2-4-3-0-0. Nil, nil. That must have been a bit of a boring game after that goal rush before. And our final game, we smashed the mighty Chipperfield 4-0. Uh, there was also Hammersmith were in the league. They withdrew it. We beat them 8-0 uh, away in November, November the 5th. So... That was uh, October the 8th, 1949, programme versus Twickenham. The next uh, programme I'm actually going to do as two programmes, um, though they're separated by about eight years. Uh, the first one is May 1999, sorry, May 2000, I apologise, uh, home to Slough Town. And the second one is May 2007, home to Gravesend and Northfleet. Uh, the reason uh, I've got both of those programmes up on the wall is they both were the final game of the season where we'd won the league. Uh, firstly, the uh, Isthmian League against Slough and then the conference, uh, the game against Gravesend. Uh, we time those games both came round. We'd already won those respective leagues, but they were the final mm -hmm. games of the season. And uh, on both occasions, we were presented with the trophies uh, and celebrated being league champions, which uh, we have won leagues before, but uh, I wouldn't say we were consistent winners of league titles, so they both stick in the mind. The um, the Slough game where we won, uh, we won, we won the league, that was a fantastic season. Gary Hill would uh, taken over as the manager, he put together a pretty good side, uh, and we actually did uh, as a such an enjoyable season, not just because we won it, we played some good football. Our home record, I think, from memory, we won 20 out of 21, mm -hmm. I think, drew the other one. I think that might have been Chesham at home that we drew. 
um, and we had quite a good away record, so we, we won that league. And of course, everyone who was um, who remembers that season will know we actually won it on day at Hampton and Richmond uh, when we won an away game 3-2, where we finished with nine men and we had a centre-half playing in goal and we ended up dancing on the pitch. Uh, that was the day we actually won it. All the shot had uh, been beaten by infield, possibly, um, and they then couldn't catch us, so we won the league. But then we, by the time we played Slough, uh, we were already league champions, so we played that game, and then we presented with the trophy. That was in the days uh, when we had the old, uh, mm-hmm. the old, uh, not the Carling stand. We, it was the old uh, wooden structure that was probably about round about uh, a year or two, maybe before it was knocked down and replaced by the current uh, stand. And I remember the players received the uh, the trophy in the in that stadium, in the middle bit of it, where there was a sort of a, a director's sort of box. And everyone was on the pitch, and it was a it was a lovely sunny day, good atmosphere, and we were league champions. And the player that was a good squad of players. Uh, it was the beginning of the, I would say the, the probably the best years of being Dagenham and Redbridge, moving on to the conference and the success there, uh, and all the cup runs of the early two thousands. And then the second time, the second program is the Gravesend program, uh, where we'd uh, again we'd we'd won the we'd won the conference uh, by then. Uh, I think we won that when we beat Aldershot at home. That meant we were mathematically the winners. Uh, but then the Gravesend game in the last game of the season, uh, there was a big crowd there uh, all celebrating the fact that we were champions. It was like a, a free game with no sort of pressure after quite a, a heavy season. And we won that game. And then afterwards, the um, the, the presentation. And I remember the um, the players were introduced one at a time onto the pitch and went up and got their medals. And then when they were all there, uh, they, um, they hoisted the, the conference trophy. Uh, there's only been two times in my life uh, watching Dagenham where I've uh, had a tear in my eye. Uh, and that was one of them. And the other one, of course, was uh, the playoff final against Rotherham when we beat them and went up to League One. Uh, so I remember both those days uh, very well indeed. So I've got those programmes, they're both on the wall, because they both, as cover photos of them, have um, recognised the fact that we are the league champions of that season. So they both have a special um, special place for me. Now, no uh, display of uh, programmes that... Uh, give me a nice feeling of nostalgia or the make a day that I remember would be complete without uh, the the playoff final at Wembley in 2010 against Rotherham and it occurs to me that uh, looking at <laughs> looking at the wall that I've actually got all the programs from Wembley on the wall which is six in total there's Enfield in 1970 Skelmersdale 1971 that I mentioned and Scarborough 1977 that I mentioned uh, and then there's the 1980 final when we won the trophy against Mosley, 1997 when we lost the final of the trophy to Woking uh, with only 10 men, and then there's the 2010 playoff final against Rotherham. So that's six times we've uh, we've been to Wembley, and I've got all of those programmes and the tickets on the wall. I've also got rosettes from each game as well, which I managed to collect either personally by buying them at Wembley or got a couple of old ones on eBay. I'm definitely a sucker for any kind of uh, old-time memorabilia on eBay, so if anyone's got anything, feel free to let me know. I'm probably game to buy it. I probably shouldn't say that, but I dare say it's probably true. So I thought rather than go through each of those, I'm going to make uh, another episode of the podcast uh, just purely about six times Wembley finals. 
think that might be quite uh, quite good to look back on. So those programs are on there. Uh, one other thing that's on the wall that's not actually a program, though it looks a bit like one from the outside, is a certificate. Um, I mentioned uh, a bit earlier in the podcast that uh, we used to have this old wooden stand where the carling stand is now, and that was knocked down. I think it cost about a million uh, to replace it. And obviously we probably got a, a loan from maybe the Sports Foundation or something like that. I dare say the local council, who've been quite helpful over the years, probably chipped in and gave us some kind of deal um, or mortgage or something. Uh, Carling um, also chipped in with quite a bit of money, hence the Carling stand. And uh, we also tried to raise money by buying a brick scheme. So basically, you know, I forget how much it was. Um, you just paid Dagnum the money and um, in it was like it was called buying a brick and at the end of the, the stand as is now as you walk out at the end of the carling stand there's a big board up there uh, which has got a list of um, uh, all the names of all the people uh, that um, bought a brick and I recall that uh, my niece and nephew who used to come with me to quite a lot of games they treated me that year as a birthday present they bought me a brick and I was sent a certificate signed by Gary Hill to thank me for buying a brick and I must admit if I'm ever in that part of the ground and I walk out and I see my name there I always think oh that's quite nice a little bit of minor history so I've got that certificate also on the wall the last uh, two programs that make up the um, the wall with all these um, the memorabilia on there are both from the same season 67-68 so season I've always uh, I've touched on before because uh, there was a previous programme from that time and even though it's many, many years ago, um, that was an incredible season. As I mentioned earlier, we played, I think it was 84 games. So that uh, is unlikely to be repeated in the near future, I suggest. So there's two programmes further from that season, both games I went to. Uh, One was the final of the London Challenge Cup. Again, that's a competition that I've mentioned earlier in this episode. Um, and in those days uh, it was a, a very prestigious competition and we got to the final of it that year which was quite unusual for an amateur side uh, we played uh, from the first round to the final from October the 9th to November the 20th we beat Leighton Orient away 1-0 we beat Fulham away 2-1 we played Chelsea in the semi-final a night game uh, 3,000 were in attendance and we beat them 1-0 that meant we played a final uh, at um, West Ham United. So that programme, again, looks quite good, West Ham United uh, v Dagenham. Uh, Unfortunately, we lost the match 3-1, but I remember going to watch the game at Upton Park. Uh, The crowd was 11,000. And again, bearing in mind that I had been to a few professional games, including at West Ham at that time, but generally I was going to Dagenham games. Uh, That seemed like a massive, great crowd. And there we were playing at a proper stadium compared to the normal small little ones that we were used to. So that game definitely stuck in my mind and it was just a great occasion even though we were to lose that one 3-1. Just very quickly our team, Ian Hutley, Brian Smith, George Dudley, Johnny Daniels, John Willingham, Dennis Moore, Fred Pudney, Peter Green, Tony Bass, Dave Morris and Roy Drake. And the substitute not used was Cheese Wright. I forget his first name. Uh, The goal was scored by Tony Bass and that was I think uh, one of the goals that sort of brought him uh, brought him to a bit of prominence. I have a vague recollection that he had trials where he was being scouted by Tottenham and West Brom round about that time based on 
on that goal, among other things. So that was the first one. That was on November the 20th in the London Challenge Cup final. And the other one was um, another very famous game in early Dagenham history, and that was away to Reading in the FA Cup um, for round two, uh, January the 6th. Uh, away, we drew one all in those days. Um, that was probably our first ever, if you like, big cup shock, where we managed to get a draw at a league side. Uh, again, it was in round two, um, and we got them back to Dagenham, uh, which I think I've mentioned in a previous uh, um, podcast somewhere. We actually lost that replay 1-0. The crowd's recorded as 6,760, but my mental recollection is that it was a lot bigger than that. Uh, but so I've got the programme for the on the wall for the away game at Reading. It's a very nice old school uh, blue uh, topped programme. Nicely set out, looks very good. Uh, the team there was uh, Ian Hutley, Brian Smith, George Dudley, Johnny Daniels, John Willingham, Dennis Moore, Peter Green, Tony Bass, Roy Drake, Dave Morris, Fred Pudney. Submine Smith, not too dissimilar from the uh, uh, game at uh, West Ham a couple of months earlier. Uh, we did have a very good strong side. Uh, that year, Peter Green, one of my favourite players. Roy Drake, he was a very experienced inside forward, coming towards the end of his career, but an excellent player. Uh, Dave Morris, he got um, he got the goal at Reading. Uh, just um, just to remind, we started that one in, in qualifying round one of the FA Cup. We played Red Hill, beat them 1-0, beat Dartford at home 2-1, then beat Cray Wanderers at home 1-0 in the qualifying round, fourth round. We went to Wickham, which uh, was a very hard game in those days, 1-2-0. And played Tunbridge uh, home in the first round and won one nil. That got us the, the game at Reading. Uh, that was um, yeah, that was a fantastic uh, performance to draw at Reading. And then we had the home replay, uh, which, as I say, we lost. But uh, it was a game, absolutely game to remember. So that's my final two programmes. Uh, looking back at it, I realise I've actually gone back mm. quite a long way for some of them. But um, yeah, they're just games that I remember and programmes that are just really nice to look at. One thing about football programmes if you're a bit of a collector I used to be and I got rid of them all and I had to buy some of them back is the old ones they just look a lot lot better uh, and the latest ones they look more like a glossy advert for kitchens or something like that there's someone one football team wouldn't mind if it was Dagenham really ought to decide at some stage to produce a retro style programme uh, that would be that would be great maybe we should do that even though they're now more available online I think that would be quite, become quite collectible. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. That's uh, just uh, longer than I expected it to be. Uh, so I probably rambled on a bit, but uh, I hope you enjoyed it and maybe uh, made you think about some of these old times as much as it did me. So I'll speak to you again soon. <laughs>